Welcome to the Fix Your Watchers podcast, where I own Stefan. Our mission is to equip, encourage, and exhort individuals through apologetics, public prophecy, and discipleship while emphasizing the gospel message. We pray that you are blessed by today's episode. Hey, we're live on Fig Tree Watchers here on our new podcast platform as we're going over the new series, Chronology of End Times Eschatology. Tonight's episode is episode one, entitled Preterism, and I'll be joined by my co-host and partner here on Fig Tree Watchers, Io from Amitsu Study. Io, how you doing? Yeah, hey guys. Hey brother, it's been a while. Uh, as you guys know, if, if you guys have listened to our podcast for a while, uh, follow us on Instagram, you'll know that we took about a month break. We called a break, but we, we weren't taking a month off to just relax. We weren't in Hawaii or anything. Um, we actually took that month off. Um, because we got off of Instagram Live, so we wanted to start using a different platform to just, you know, upgrade the quality of our Instagrams or our podcasts, rather, um, and just give you guys better content. And we also use that time to prepare uh, content, which we'll be doing now, which Brother Stefan said will be the end times chronology. Um, so we're looking forward to it. Yeah, really excited about it. We're also going to be adding in an Ephesian series on this podcast. Um, that will be separate, and uh, you're going to love that series. That will be starting in May uh, as well. Um, before we dive into the end times chronology, we, we want to define some of the terms um, that we do, uh, because eventually we're going to do a series on Revelation, and we want to kind of break a lot of this down. So tonight, uh, as we're getting into this, we are going to be breaking down, you know, premillennialism, uh pre-millennialism, the post-millennialism, all these things that are going on. And uh, one of those things that that we're going to break down is kind of the the breakdown between amillennialism and post-millennialism. But preterism is part of amillennialism. And uh, so we're really going to, you know, break this down a little bit more distinctly tonight. Yeah, so really what we're trying to do with this End Times Chronology series um, you know, as we're trying to map this out, our goal is to walk you through, get walk you guys through the rapture all the way to eternity. So we want to walk through um, a lot of what, you know, Revelation says, we'll say, you know, these judgments happen in these sequences. Um, you know, the, the trumpet judgments happen and the bowl judgments happen. We'll be tracking through, okay, where, where did the 144,000, where are they sealed? And we'll be talking about all those events. We're just trying to basically create a timeline for you guys uh, so we can say, hey, from our study of scripture, uh, from a premillennial, pre-trib view, uh, how do we see these major events in Scripture, specifically Revelation? You know, there's prophecies, obviously, in end times concerned Ezekiel 38. Um, there's, uh, you know, prophecies in Isaiah, you know, all these different books. We want to chart this out for you guys. And like Brother Stefan said, we want to start off with these main esch- eschatological views um, to kind of, you know, run you through it, to give you the basic definitions of what they are. And then tell you why we're sticking with the premillennial view um, to interpret this timeline. Um, so we believe this just give you a better look, a better um, feel for what's going on, especially when we get into our Revelation series, Lord willing, later in the future. So, brother, can you start us off by defining uh, what is preterism? It's not really a term that a lot of people hear about. People might know about, you know, postmillennialism, amillennialism, the different rapture views, pre-wrath, post, uh, post-trib, whatever. Uh, but what's preterism really? Well, preterism is broken down into two separate camps. There's full preterism, and then there's partial preterism. 
so there's heresy and in half heresy in in one other in a, in a lighter sense. But um, what is preterism? Preterism is the idea that Christ has already come for full preterist. He's coming. All prophecy is fulfilled, and and in partial preterism, he came in judgment only. There may be a second coming, um, and and that's going to be kind of the the main idea of it. Um, I think that that you can say that partial preterism is the belief that the most uh, biblical prophecy has already been fulfilled in the history. Uh, preterists believe that most, but not all, prophecy was fulfilled in AD seventy at the destruction of Jerusalem. And then some things they believe have already been fulfilled are what Jesus spoke about at the Olivet Discourse uh, in Matthew 24 and 25. Uh, the prophecies regarding the Antichrist, the Tribulation, the Millennial, that's all been fulfilled in 78 AD um, with the destruction of Jerusalem. They also view the majority of the Second Coming prophecies as fulfilled. So there's really nothing to look forward to. Um, they do acknowledge that there may be a few passages that still hold a future second coming. Partial preterists do think that there may be a resurrection of the dead. Not all do, but they, they think it, it, it is possible. Um, and that's important. Uh, and then, uh, full preterists definitely don't believe in a resurrection of the dead. Uh, they deny it. That's why they're heretical in their view. So, uh, partial preterists agree that there is a future judgment and a boldly resurrection of believers of Christ, uh, physical resurrection. They reject national Israel, so they tend to be anti-Semitic. Uh, they tend to believe in replacement theology, which they hold to the amillennial view, which is partial preterists and full preterists are under that amillennial view. Uh, they don't believe in a rapture, and, and they... Um, also believe that the gifts of the Holy Spirit are dead, right? They don't work anymore. Um, so the Holy Spirit has been neutered in their viewpoint. Uh, and I see that the rejection of the Holy Spirit is bordering on really denying God. Uh, it it kind of leads to that idea and concept that the, uh, the Holy Spirit is a tool to be used, not God himself. Um, and so therefore, are they grieving the Holy Spirit and the denying of the gifts and the fruits of the spirit. Yeah, so that was a, a lot of great information. And just to quickly summarize before we get into defining, you know, full preterism and kind of uh, hacking away at why we don't agree with this view. Uh, so preterism is just a word, a Latin word that comes from the word preter. So that spelled out is P-R-A-E-T-E-R. I hope I pronounced that right. Um, but it's just a Latin word that just means before or in the past. So when we say preterism, we're just saying of a belief system, you know, like Brother Stefan said, um, these people that believe that these prophecies actually happened in the past, specifically 70 AD, two camps in that, partial preterism, which believes that most of the prophecies were fulfilled in 70 AD, full preterism, which we'll get into now, believe that all prophecies have been fulfilled in 70 AD, eschatological prophecies, right? Um, and we don't agree with that. So quickly define full preterism. Um, full preterists of the belief that eschatology, again, has been fulfilled in 70 AD. Full preterists deny a future second coming of Jesus Christ. They believe that the Bible does not even mention it, which is very surprising. And, and what you'll find, uh, you'll find a lot of similarities with, you know, part, uh, preterists and then amillennialists. They kind of allegorize some passages, um, make it seem as if it has been filled in 70 AD. It's a really big misinterpretation of Scripture, and we'll get into that later. 
Um, but in the article, Preterism has all prophecy been fulfilled by the Gospel Coalition. Uh, they know what those who hold this view believe have been fulfilled in history. So in this article, they said, the prophecy of the coming of Christ in judgment was fulfilled in the destruction of Jerusalem in AD 70. Satan and Antichrist have been thrown into the lake of fire. The kingdom of God has arrived. The resurrection is understood in spiritual terms. And there you go uh, is where you get your kind of allegori allegorizing of scripture. They continue, the great commission has been filled. All things have been made new. The old heaven and earth have passed away. The new heaven and earth have come. The promised restoration has arrived. And the world now continues as it is ad infinitum. Um, so again, full preterists, they believe uh, remarkably, in our opinion, that all prophecies that we would regard as future, even the prophecies regarding the, the, you know, the destruction of this present heavens and earth and the new heavens and earth, new Jerusalem, all that, the glorification of believers, they believe all that has happened, which is very surprising. We'll get into that later. Uh, but anyways, little brother, I know you have a little bit more to say about full preterism. So we talked about how they reject the theology of the bodily resurrection of dead. This is an alarming heresy. This is a, a complete heresy because, as Paul said, if there's no resurrection of dead, then our gospel is false. And um, this rejects all historic claims and orthodoxy of the church. Listen to what Paul said, and I want to make it real clear so there's no doubt about this. 1 Corinthians 15, 12 through 17 from the New King James Version Bible. Now, if Christ has preached that he has been raised from the dead, how do some of you among you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty and your faith is also empty. Yes, and we have found false witnesses of God because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ who we had not raised up. Okay, that's Paul being sarcastic there. If it is not the dead that do not rise, or if the dead do not rise, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile. You're still living in your sin. Basically it. And this is what Paul's argument is. It's very clear, very concise. Look, the resurrection of the dead, it absolutely happened. And so therefore... Yep. Because of he did is it's going to happen because Christ rose from the dead. Mm -hmm. Right, it's not something we can allegorize away, right? No, 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 that was good. I completely agree with that. It's literal, <laughs> literal stuff going on. And yeah, I mean, it's literal stuff. Yeah, it's there's going to be a resurrection of the dead, and you can count on it because Jesus mm -hmm. rose from the dead. That's basically it. And the first shoot. yeah, yeah. And I love how you said that because in my uh, right now, in my church, I've been attending a small group about prophecy. Small group, obviously. Based on name, focus on Bible prophecy. Uh, last year, we went through Amir's book, and now we're going through a book by David Jeremiah called, I think, 30 Signs of the Apocalypse. And today, we focus on the resurrection. And one of the questions he had there was, uh, you know, why do we have hope, uh, you know, for the future? Why do we have hope in our future resurrection? And the obvious answer, you know, based on the passage I love they brought up, is because Christ was risen from the dead, you know, and Paul calls that as the first fruits. Uh, which in harvest terminology means that if you have the first fruits, then that's the promise that you'll get the later harvest, the main harvest later. So because Christ rose from the dead, we also have a guarantee, a promise that we also rise from the dead. Or if the rapture happens in our generation, in our lifetime, uh, we'll be caught up and glorified to meet the Lord. So that's such an important thing to understand. Uh, so when we have these belief systems, they either deny the future resurrection or allegorize it or, you know, whatever. Uh, we have to pay attention to that. Um, so I know you have a little bit more to say, too, concerning um, some quotes from 
uh, the book, The Great Tribulation, Past or Future, that delves into some arguments we can kind of make against the preterist viewpoint. Yeah, this is a great book, by the way. It's by Thomas Ice and it, and Gentry, a preterist. Actually, they worked in collaboration, kind of making this debate um, part of a book. And I would recommend you get it. But one key passage that Gentry brings up, uh, and most preterists like to use in their eschatology, is this. And that's Matthew 24, 34. Assuredly, I say to you, this generation will by no means pass away till all these things take place. Okay? Now, the following congruent verses may be used. Mark 13, 30, Luke 21, 32 by preterists. So what they're saying is that generation that was there at Jesus's time is the generation that Jesus was talking about. And all these things, that generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Okay? So that's a major thing that preterists bring up. And they're like, look, that's a lockdown verse. It's ironclad. There's no doubt about it. Uh, oh, yeah. And Kenneth Gentry, a preterist, made this argument concerning this passage. He says, this statement of Christ is indisputably clear and ab absolutely demanding of a first century fulfillment of the events in the preceding verses, including the Great Tribulation. And this is on page 26 and 27 of that book, uh, The Great Tribulation, Past or Future. Now, Thomas Ice, he's awesome. I love him. And he's great uh, as a scholar. He refutes Gentry with this response. However, I believe the timing of this generation in Matthew 24, 34 is governed by the related phrase, all these things, which refers mm -hmm. to the events Christ described in verses 431, uh, 4 through 31, which are the events of the tribulation. Consequently, Christ was saying that the generation that sees all these things, okay, will exist until all the events of the future tribulation are fulfilled literally. Preterists ignore the fact that in Matthew 24 that it is Israel whom the Lord is rescuing. Matthew 22 through 23 speaks of Israel's judgment, which would, which did come in AD 70, but one should not ignore the identity of the nation rescued in 24-7-31. It is saved Israel. So this is clearly... A future event. This is a literal interpretation and one that was not fulfilled in the first century. The other thing is that you once have once again have to add into that, and I want to just add that in, and that's the resurrection of the dead. Okay? We will see a resurrection of the dead. So you can't say all prophecy was fulfilled and say it includes all these things after these things or whatever he's trying to get to. He's mixing it up, and he is ignoring national Israel, okay? Mm -hmm. uh, and I think that that's real important because Israel will be saved in the end. Yeah, yeah, that's very important. Um, and I love that quote there by Thomas Sice. I know him as well. Just like you said, I, I love him as well for uh, for just the scholarship and the the dedication and the defense of the preacher view in particular and obviously the premillennial view here. Um, and it's just like, again, just from context, when you see Matthew 24, it, it starts off Jewish, you know, disciples come to Jesus, talk about the temple, and then he talks about all the events that are going to happen in the last days, you know, the abomination, desolation, we see it run, I mean, all these things, and he talks about his coming. Um, so, I mean, in that whole context, it should be clear to the reader, if you're if you're using your proper, uh, you know, exegesis and everything, properly interpret scripture, 
that this is still yet future, even with the abomination of desolation there in context. Daniel right. talks about that in Daniel 9.27, right? We, we reference that a lot. Uh, and, and Jesus references back to that. He says, hey, if you see this spoken of by the prophet Daniel, then flee. So he talks about it as a yet future event. By the way, this is a big thing because you brought up the future temple. They argue that in Revelation, you know, he's marking out the temple and he says that, you know, there it is in Revelation. John actually says that the, the outer courts belong to the Gentiles. But if you look in New Testament time where Jesus was and you're dealing with a couple of big things, one of them is the widow's mite. He was sitting across from her in the outer court of the temple. That belonged to the Jews, not to the Gentiles. And when he disrupted the money changing tables, that once again was belonged to the Jewish Jews, not to the Gentiles. And that was in the outer court. So when John is talking about the outer court belonging to the Gentiles, he's talking about a futuristic temple, not the one that existed in 70 AD. In 70 that's AD. real important. That's um, a great point. I didn't, I didn't even know that, actually. So that's a, an amazing point you put there. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I think that that's real significant. One thing I, I, I want to ask you, is why do we not agree? We just kind of hit them right here between the eyes. But what are some points of why we don't agree with this view? Yeah, there's a lot of points for this, so we're going to just touch on a few of them here, and then the next episode we'll continue on Proterism and hack away at some other points. Um, but first of all, the the issue where we have with Proterism, and we, we've dived into some of it already as we began this, um, but it's a literal, you know, the language they use, literal language versus figurative language. And we see a lot of the figure figurative interpretation of Scripture, um, you know, when you start thinking of like, oh, the resurrection is actually spiritual or did Jesus really come back in the second coming or is it more of like it just has a deeper spiritual meaning? So, you know, allegorizing scripture, whereas us premillennials will say that, no, when just Christ says he's come back then in tribulation, that's what he means. Like, let scripture interpret scripture. That's what he means. Um, so the examples we gave, I believe, are, are enough to make it clear. Uh, what are we, you know, what do we mean when we say they allegorize things versus how we'd interpreting things literally? Um, but here's some other prophecies, though, that we can just, you know, pick at in the Bible. I mean, we can we can do like a whole series on preterism in general. And brother, feel free to jump in here. Um, but the first prophecy here or the first, you know, major end time event that we can look at and really ask ourselves, like, did that really happen? You know, it's something we're looking forward to. Where did that happen in history is the rapture. That's a clear one. Paul elaborates on the rapture for us in First Thessalonians 4, 13 to 18 and First Corinthians 15. 5056, where he essentially says and tells us that, hey, in this rapture, what happens is Jesus Christ will come, descend from the clouds. Uh, the believers who have fall, who have uh, slept in the Lord or died will be raised incorruptible, and then we who are alive and remain will be cut up, will be glorified as well. Uh, so the first question you have to ask yourself to preterists is like, okay, the Bible expressly tells us this. Um, so where did that happen in history? Did that happen in 70 AD? How did that happen? Uh, you know, if you don't interpret literally, how do you allegorize that? So that's one problem with the view. What do you do with the rapture? And I guess we we learn about it, right? Because they, they don't they don't believe in a future resurrection, which is part of the rapture. I want to address this because I think this is real important. I came to the premillennial view and especially the rapture view, the pre-tribulation rapture view, not by following the rapture all over scripture. I came to it by following the resurrection of the dead throughout scripture. And so for me, I tracked the resurrection of the dead and realized it didn't line up with preterism or amillennialism or even post-tribulation view doctrine um, by looking at the resurrection of the dead for it. And this is real important because 
the whole reason why Second Thessalonians was written was because they got a fake CNN newsletter um, of their time stating that the rapture had already happened. You're living in the tribulation, and you you know what? You're tough luck. Paul got yeah. it wrong, and Paul writes the whole purpose of that. In fact, Pastor uh, Jack Hibbs just preached on that this last Sunday. It's why the letter was written. It's yeah, it's exactly. There. So if you're not, the resurrection of the dead didn't happen. There was no rapture. You know, that's why it didn't happen at the time that that, that letter was written. And so he's saying, don't you remember? I taught you these things. Mm-hmm. And that's so important. So when we're looking at it, you're right. There was no resurrection of the dead in 70 AD. In fact, there was a lot of things that didn't happen in 70 AD that the Bible said was going to happen. So that's why we can know for certainty through scripture that the predator's view is a lie. And that's why I say it's a half heresy instead of a full heresy. The, for the partial predator's view. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Versus the full, yeah, yeah. No, I, I totally agree with that. And the next one here, again, we, we could just pick out so many different prophecies, but we're just we're just picking out some that we believe seem the most obvious in terms of refuting this view or, or showing how kind of silly the view is. The next one is just tracking through, you know, literally going through books, book of Revelation and tracking through the judgments, the seal judgments, the trumpet judgments, the bull judgments. You know, again, with the preterist view, if they're saying that some of these prophecies happened in the past or, or all of them happened in the past and they're denying the, 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 the reality of the Antichrist, they're denying the reality of the tribulation, it's already happened, things like that. You have to ask them, okay, in history, oh, where did the bull judgments happen? Where did the seal judgments happen? I mean, these judgments, they're not little things. They're huge things that are going to, affect uh, the majority, if not all, of mankind. The example, fifth trumpet judgment, Revelation 9. Locusts from the bottomless pit torture mankind. It's like, where in the documents of history do you see demonic locusts coming from the abyss, torturing mankind for a period of time? Sixth trumpet judgment. Um, a third of mankind are killed by a demonic 200 million army, right? It's uh, where in history did it's that happen? Figurative. It was a spiritual <laughs> army of 200 million. It was, it was a spiritual it, army. Yes, the Romans. And, and what it actually was was just disease. Yeah, <laughs> I, I honestly, I mean, we're we're joking, we're making light of this, but it just boggles our mind. Another judgment here, just to kind of end off this little section before we talk about the Armageddon, which I believe is another, you know, blatantly obvious one that's never happened in history is the seventh bull judgment. In the seventh bull judgment, Revelation 16, uh, verse 17 to 21, you see the greatest earthquake in human history happen. And then hailstones, I believe, uh, about 100 pounds, um, just pelt the earth dollars, pelt the cities of the world and everything. Um, so again, you have to ask yourself, when in history did we have the greatest earthquake in human, of humankind? And then those huge hailstones that, that have never, you know, never materialized in history. Um, and you just, it, it just gets to a point where you have to ask yourself, where you have to just say to yourself, like, okay, it's just silly. You can't, there's only so much you can allegorize away. You can't literally allegorize all the judgments of the book of Revelation away or the second coming of Christ, the, the, you know, the Antichrist and things like that. These things have to actually happen. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And I mean, you're bringing up some great points. There's the new heaven, the new Jerusalem that comes up there. Yeah. Um, no more crying, no more sorrow. I'm sorry. I'm still crying. There's a bunch yeah. of sorrow out there. There's and, a bunch of sorrow. By the way, why aren't things getting better? Why are yeah. things getting worse? Worse. There's more evil on the planet than there's ever been at any point in human history. Why? I mean, and what about technology? Now technology is finally 
coming to place where you look at scripture and you go, oh yeah, that now makes sense. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And again, uh, Armageddon, you know, Jesus Christ returns, exact judgment against the Antichrist, false prophet, things like that. But that's happened in 7 AD already. Uh, first of all, where is Jesus? <laughs> because at Armageddon, that's the end of the tribulation, he sets up his millennial reign, his millennial kingdom. So where is Jesus? Uh, why aren't we seeing the prophets consider the millennium? Uh, in Zechariah 14, we see that, you know, every year the people of the nations have to go to Jerusalem uh, to worship the king on the Feast of Booths, on the Feast of Tabernacles. If a nation doesn't go, and Zechariah 14 puts an example there of Egypt, if people of Egypt don't go, they don't get rain, or I believe it says like they'll be uh, they'll be hit by like a plague. So it'll be immediate judgment. Uh, if Jesus Christ is ready, come in 70 AD, if Armageddon has happened, if he's already established his kingdom, which we'd logically believe to be the case, if it literally happened in 70 AD, why aren't we seeing that in place right now? Why aren't we seeing wars ending, just as the Bible prophesies concerning the millennial reign of Christ? So with all these things, we have to ask the question, guys, when did these things happen in history? Um, because for me and Brother Stefan, you know, if you've you know, listen to us for any amount of time. You know, we love apologetics. If these things have happened in history, we would love to hear about it. We would love to see the evidence for demonic locusts, and we would love to see the evidence for seas turned to blood and the Antichrist and the Mark of the Beast in history for an apologetic for the truth of the scripture, but there is none. There, It hasn't happened. Um, so we just have to conclude, based on our understanding of scripture, based on exegesis, proper exegesis, and just, I think, common sense and just looking at the world, uh, letting our worldview uh, interpret what we're seeing in the world, um, we we just don't see the the truth of preterism playing out. Right, right. Now, I, I will say this: the preterists do say that, um, you know, jo Josephus described the the blood like a sea of blood um, that was coming out of Jerusalem, and so therefore preterists claim that that was the sea of blood. So I, I'm not kidding, guys. Yeah, no, no, I, they make, I I believe you. So they make their argument. Mm -hmm. Um. Yeah, it, and it's it's pretty pretty funny. Um, but you listen to some of these guys, and you just scratch your head, and you're going, "Really? Yeah, yeah, really." And I'm so glad you brought that up because with things, and I've encountered arguments like that. I've talked to preterists too, and I've just I've honestly been very, uh, very annoyed. <laughs> just to, you know, and especially with their their anti-Semitism with rejecting the Jews. But to go back to your point though of like the Josephus thing and and what he said there, I've I've gone those arguments as well, and that's a classic case of allowing you know what you see in the world uh to basically interpret scripture for you so we often talk about this in terms of bible prophecy you know using current events and and interpreting current events in light of the bible what we don't want to do is see the world around us and then take that back into scripture what we don't want to understand what we want to do rather is look through scripture study you know to show ourselves approved just like scripture says understand what the bible is saying about the last days and build a worldview from there uh, create that biblical worldview lens. And then as we live out our life naturally, we start seeing the world and start seeing things happen. And we say, oh my gosh, what I learned in scripture, what I studied in scripture is actually playing out. You don't want to say, you know, I'm seeing my, my pawn turning red or whatever. Oh, that must be, you know, one of the judgments or whatever. You don't want to say that. You want to say, okay, what's the concept of tribulation? If people and during Josephus' time understood what the context of the tribulation was in terms of like what they'll see you know a celestial events these judgments they'll know that okay once these things happens we're in the tribulation but if they don't see that they're just seeing some random one-off event maybe there was blood in that uh you know lake or whatever due to maybe people being murdered or i don't know what happened during that time um but if they correctly interpret scripture they'll know that okay this is not a sign of the tribulation 
we should be interpreting things correctly. But there's a lot of danger in misinterpreting scripture. So you want to be careful there. But but yeah, that was essentially, uh, you know, the part one of uh, preterism. Um, so you want to start closing it off here, guys. But uh, again, we're looking forward to this series. We're looking forward to, again, tracking ultimately once we get through, you know, preterism and then the millennial views and uh, the rapture views. We're going to start just hacking away at, okay, where do we where do we put place these events on the timeline? Um, but ultimately, guys, as we usually say, we want to use these things, whether we're talking about current events or about prophecy in general, to point you back to Christ. A verse that we often go to to encourage you is Titus 2.13. It's looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ. So unlike what preterism um, states, or even, you know, amillennialism or postmillennialism that denies the rapture, uh, we actually have a blessed hope from Scripture. We can see that clearly. So that's so you want to use episodes like this uh, to point you to the truth of Scripture, to point to the truth of premillennialism, uh, the pre-trib rapture that Jesus Christ is coming soon to get his church. Um, that's something to hope in. And for you, if you're listening to this, you're not a believer, you're, it's the first time you know, hearing preterism, you're like, well, what are these guys talking about? Ultimately, we want to point you to Jesus too. We want to encourage you um, to to see what the Bible says, listen to what it says concerning the gospel message, uh, that we're all sinners, that we have all transgressed against the holy and just God. And for that, we deserve punishment. That ultimate punishment is at the lake of fire, right? So once we die, we'll end up in the lake of fire and suffer for all eternity. Uh, so that's the bad news. And there's nothing we can do to get out of that. Uh, but the good news is that because God is loved, because he loved us, he sent his son to die in our place um, to take on his wrath on the cross. He lived a sinless life. Um, so he was able to take on our punishment, our sin on the cross. And then he died for our sins, was buried and rose again, as 1 Corinthians 15 elaborates on. Um, so that when we believe in that sacrifice, we'll have eternal life. So that's our exhortation to you uh, to place your trust in Jesus Christ. So we won't even go through the tribulation. We know that, you know, our life is like a vapor. We're not promised tomorrow. So we encourage you to place your trust in Christ for believers to be encouraged that everything we're seeing today um, is not is not an indication that God is is not at the wheel, so to speak. He sees everything. He He's sitting on his throne laughing as Psalm 2 says. He knows everything going on. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, we uh, want to thank you for joining this podcast here on Fig Tree Watchers. As we have started a whole new program and uh, to make things better for you. Um, and it's only going to improve from here because we want to get the gospel message out very clear and very loud um, because we're running out of time. Mm-hmm. And so if you have any questions, you can contact us at FigTreeWatchers.com. Uh, you can see uh, this uh, or listen to this podcast on all the major platforms. And uh, we will be having a lot of new, exciting posts on FigTreeWatchers.com. So thanks for joining us tonight. And uh, Ayo and myself, we say God bless you, may he keep you, may he strengthen you, and may you keep your eyes adjusted towards heaven for the return of Jesus Christ. Good night, everyone, and God bless. Have a great night, guys.